Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Obviously, the, the uh, title of the study is Israel in the End Times, and the reason that I wanted to do this is because some of the pastors were getting questions about what's the big deal about Israel. And so I understand that there's a lot of people in our fellowship that have just started coming actually since COVID, and so they may not have the background uh, that a lot of people in our fellowship have on Israel. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be pretty thorough in this, and so I'm going, to, I'm going to be starting from the beginning on these things so you have a really good handle on, on what's going on. And obviously, the reason that we're talking about this is because of all the stuff that's going on with Israel. And so let's pray, and we'll get into it and uh, get started here. Um, Father, we just come before you, and thank you for the time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the, the fact that you have a covenant chosen people that you work through in the Old Testament, that you work through in the New Testament, and that you're going to be continuing to work through as we get into the latter days. Father, as we're going through your word, we pray that you would give us just a real understanding of the direction that you're going with these people God, that you would give us the same love that you have for them. And that, Father, that we would just have a good grasp on what the Word has to say, not only so we can have the information, but also so that we can minister to those who are of Israel and bring them into the church. And so, Lord, we pray that your, your blessing would be on us as we're going through your Word, and we ask that you do this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, first thing I, I wanted to do is just go through, actually just talk about a passage in the book of Romans. So this is in Romans chapter 9, and it has to do with, it, with Israel. And even though I'm going to be kind of thorough here, I'm not going to be exhaustive. And so I'm going to be saying things that you can launch off on and, and go and chase down for yourself. The word Jew is used 191 times in the New Testament. The name Israel is used over 90 times in the New Testament. And when you go through and you look at what the Bible says about Jews and Israel, those terms are interchangeable even after the northern 10 tribes were taken into captivity. And I just said things that guys who know the Old Testament pretty well, ladies who know the Old Testament pretty well, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't know, but you're going to know in a minute. Okay, the reason that I'm saying that is because there's false teaching that goes around that says that Jews are different than Israelis or Israelites. And that's just nonsense. You can't do that with the Bible. Uh, the terms are interchangeable. I'm going, I'm going to get into some stuff that, that pinpoints where the name Jew came from. And Jews are Israelites. But here's the other thing. Not all Israelites are necessarily Jews. Okay, and so I'll... I'll flesh that out in a minute. 
Um, Romans 9 is one of those passages that speaks to this whole thing. Paul um, calls himself a Jew. Paul calls himself an Israelite. Okay? And in Romans chapter 9, he's talking about his sorrow for his people. And he says in verse 3, For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. And then he says this, To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. There's a passage that flat out calls Jesus God again in the Bible. In any case, when you go through, go through here and you look at what Paul says about Israel, the nation, and the, the people, he talks about the adoption comes through Israel. Later on, he's going to flesh that out a little bit when you get to Romans chapter 11, and he's going to picture Israel like an olive tree, and that some of the branches have been trimmed off the olive tree, and that we as Gentiles, and a Gentile is anybody who's not Jewish, that we as, as Gentiles have been basically grafted into that olive tree, and that's where we get our source of life. And the branches that have been cut off, and this is all in Romans 11, can be regrafted into that same olive tree. And so what Paul says in Romans chapter 11 is that God's chopped off some of the branches, and he's talking about the Jews who will not believe in Jesus as Messiah, and that we've been grafted in as a wild olive branch from outside the tree itself, and that God is totally capable of taking those people and grafting them back in, which is the whole point of Romans chapter 11, that God's gonna deal with the Jews once again, and he's gonna bring them back into a relationship with God. The point that I'm making here is that we're grafted into life through Israel. It's, it's through the covenants that were given to Israel that we get to come into a relationship with God, and he calls it the adoption. So we've been adopted into the family of God because of the promises that God made to Israel. And we're gonna talk about some of those things as we go through this study. He says the glory. The glory is talking about the, uh, the Shekinah, the glory of God. I talk about this all the time. The, the pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness. The, the glory that filled the tabernacle. The glory that filled the temple. Uh, the glory that you see in the book of Ezekiel. The glory that appeared when Jesus was born the glory that covered Jesus when he was on the Mount of the Transfiguration and the cloud of glory that he disappeared into when he ascended and also the cloud of glory that he's going to be coming out of when he comes back. And all that pertains to Israel, according to Paul here. The covenants, and we're gonna talk about the covenants. The main one is the Abrahamic covenant that was given to Israel. And so off of that covenant, you have the Deuteronomic covenant, you have the Davidic covenant, you have, let's see, land, nation, the new covenant, yeah. Those three covenants are, are coming off that, and I think I, got, I think I got them all. And then you have the Mosaic covenant also that um, are pertaining to the people of Israel. Then he says the giving of the law, and obviously that's the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments that go along with it the service of God, and that's the, the service in the tabernacle and then in the temple, all of which were pointing forward to the coming of Christ. 
the promises, and those promises would be about the coming of Christ, not just the first one, but the second one too. And the promises that we have of salvation that was going to come through Jesus and specifically because of his first coming, of whom are the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is who's being spoken about there, and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. Christ is an Israelite. He's a Jew, specifically. He's from the tribe of Judah. That's where the term Jew comes from. And so all of these things pertain to Israel. And basically what I wanted to launch off with from this is is to let you know that the whole Bible is about Israel. The whole Bible is. So when you're going through the Old Testament, you have the, the precursor chapters in the book of Genesis that are leading up to God choosing Abraham and Abraham's descendants, which became Israel. That's the point of the book of Genesis. And so it does start at the, at the creation, starts with Adam and Eve, goes through Noah and, and all, the, all, the, all the patriarchs there. But then it zeroes in on Abraham. And from chapter 12, there's 50 chapters in the book of Exodus. And from chapter 12 all the way to the end of the book, it's all about Abraham and his sons and his descendants. And so that's the, that's the major point of view. And then we get into the rest of the law, the Exodus and, and the return to the land of Canaan. And then you get into Joshua and the conquering of Canaan and all of that stuff. Then you, get, you go all the way through the Old Testament, you come to the New Testament, and there's Israel in the land, and Jesus comes from Israel. And so everything is about Israel. The Bible ends in the book of Revelation with the nation of Israel, specifically God reaching out to that nation and bringing them back into a relationship with him. And so what's the big deal about Israel? The big deal about Israel is everything in the Bible is about Israel, basically, is what it comes down to. And so whether we're talking about our salvation or whether we're talking about biblical history or whether we're talking about where Jesus came from, we're, we're talking about the nation of Israel. It's central to God's plan in the Old Testament. It's central to God's plan in the New Testament. And Israel is central to God's plan when we get to the last days. And so it's, it's something to, to keep in mind. Okay, so what I'm gonna do is I'm not going to assume anything with you guys. And we're gonna go back to the book of Genesis and we're gonna start with Abraham. Turn, turn back to the book of Genesis in chapter 12. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna exhaustively go through this. I've done studies on the book of Genesis. If you wanna go through and uh, get into all the stories and everything that goes on with these guys, you can do that, but I am gonna hit on some high points. And so what we're talking about is the beginnings of Israel. And this starts all the way back in 2091 BC with Abraham. And that's about the time that you have this specifically, the uh, chapter 12, that's about the time that, that we have this. And in chapter 12 and verses one through three, you have God moving Abraham from Ur to Canaan and pr- the promises that God gives him to make of him a nation. And it says in verse one, now the Lord had said to Abram, and that was Abram's, Abraham's name before God changed it. He changed it later on. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great 
and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's the first promise that God made to Abraham. Talking about this this promise, and again, I'm not going to get way into it because we're going to talk about the Abrahamic covenant later on. But there are are specific things that are happening here. Abraham came from beyond the river, and the river is Euphrates. And that phrase, beyond the river, is where we get the word Hebrew. It's the idea of a guy who comes from from the other side of the river. And so that's where we get the term Hebrew. And so when you see Hebrew in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's talking about the origin of Abraham. This guy's a Mesopotamian. And so he lived in the area that we call Iraq right now. And God told him to leave Iraq and go down to Canaan. And then made this promise to him that he was going to be the father of a great nation and that in him all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. When you get to chapter 13, go over to chapter 13 and verses 15 and 16. Abram has a conflict with Lot, and he tells Lot, you know, we can't, we can't live together anymore. There's not enough room for our flocks. And so you pick the way you're going to go, and I'm going to pick the way that I'm going to go. You, you go one way, I'll go the opposite way. And he gives his, his nephew Lot, who he dragged from Ur of the Chaldees, when God told him to come alone, uh, he tells his nephew Lot, you can, you can pick where you want to go. And then after he does that, this is what God says to Abram in verse 15. He says, or verse 14, he says, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. He's in Canaan. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants. What's the last word there? Forever. What do you think forever means in Hebrew? What do you think? Yeah, it means forever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. And so this again is a part of the Abrahamic covenant. God specifically promises him the land and he promises him descendants. And Abraham has a problem, or Abram has a problem. He can't have children. And so the promise was first made when he was 75. He didn't have any children until he was 100. So 25 years childless after God made him the promise. The next time that you see him is the next uh, issue that I want to bring up is in Genesis chapter 16. In Genesis chapter 16, you have a carnal plan for children. And so this is where Sarah famously comes up with a way to help God out. And so she realized, you know, God had promised Abraham descendants. Her name hadn't been mentioned by God. And so she goes, maybe God wants to do it a different way. Maybe what God wants to to have us do is you go into my servant Hagar and you have a child with him or, or with her, excuse me, and then we'll adopt the child. And that was normal practice during this period of time. And so That's exactly what Abram did. And when the child was born, there was a conflict between Hagar and Sarai, which is what her name is at this point. There's a conflict between the two, and she's like, get get out of here and take your kid with you. And she she gets mad at Abram. And so what happens is um, Hagar takes off, and she is weeping 
over this whole thing. She's in the wilderness and uh, doesn't have any water. And God makes a promise to her. In verse 11, the Lord appears to her and the angel of the Lord says to her, Behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And this is where you get Ishmael from. Now, when you, when you look at what the Arabs claim about their lineage, they claim to be the children of Ishmael. And Ishmael was an abortive attempt to, attempt to fulfill the will, will of God in Sarai's and Abram's flesh. Never should have happened. Wasn't supposed to happen that way. And so what ended up happening is she gets pregnant. She has an attitude towards her mistress. Mistress, mistress throws her out. And then uh, the Lord makes this promise to her. He fulfills that at the very beginning over in Genesis chapter 25. And over in Genesis chapter 25, in verses 12 through 16, it says, now this is the genealogy of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's maidservant, bore to Abraham. And these were the names of the sons of Ishmael. And there are 12 names there. And in verse 16, it says, these were the sons of Ishmael, and these were their names by their towns and their settlements, 12 princes according to their nations. And again, the Arabs trace their lineage back to Ishmael, okay? One of the sons of Abraham. Okay, if you go back over to Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 18, there's a, there's a situation here where Abraham has an encounter with the Lord and the Lord is speaking to him. And in verse nine, it says, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And in verse 10, it says, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Sarah ends up laughing about this whole thing and saying that Abraham's too old and she's too old. And the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? Verse 13 saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son, right? And so now Sarah is in on the prophecy. It's Abraham and Sarah that are in on this whole thing with the descendants that are coming from, from Abraham uh, specifically. When you get to chapter 21, in chapter 21, in verses one through three, it says, the Lord visited Sarah as he, had as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. This is a year later. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And then it goes on and talks about circumcision and some other things that took place with Isaac. So Isaac is born in 2066 BC, over 2000 years BC. Then Isaac has children. And if you turn over to chapter 25, starting in verse 21, it says, now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea. 
And Rebekah, his wife, conceived, but the children struggled together within her. And she said, if, if all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau, which means hairy. That's an easy name. Afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob and Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. It took him 20 years to have children. And so at, at that point, Jacob is born of Isaac and this is 2006 BC that this takes place, okay? And so Isaac has a son named Jacob. Esau ends up becoming another nation besides the nation of Israel. And so Esau, his nation is Edom. And that's at the southern end of Jordan. That's where they were located. And so the Edomites became a group of people who were actually related to the Israelites, but they were notorious enemies of the Israelites. And so you, you have a, a number of conflicts between Edom and Israel. When you get to the New Testament, that conflict continues and you have King Herod, King Herod the Great, who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. And he's called an Edomian. It means an Edomite. And so he comes from Esau, right? Okay, and so now we have Jacob born. And when you get to chapter 32, in chapter 32, Jacob is coming back from a little sojourn with his uncle Laban and he's been gone out of Canaan for 20 years. And when he comes back, he's gonna meet up with Esau, who, he's got, who, who he has bad, a bad relationship with because he ripped Esau off. And so 20 years later, Jacob is still afraid of being killed by Esau, and he finds out Esau's coming with 400 guys. Okay, so that's a, that's a setting of this. And what Jacob does is he makes a camp for his family and uh, for his servants. He gets on the other side of the camp, on the other side of a river, and he has this, again, encounter with an angel, and it turns out to be the Lord, okay? An angel in, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the, the word itself means messenger. And so when you see the word angel, it can be talking about angels like we think of angels, or it can be talking about a messenger that's come from the Lord or the messenger of the Lord, and sometimes he's called God. And that would be an Old Testament appearance, actually, of Jesus. And I opened a can of worms, and I'm gonna let it wriggle right there. Okay, in any case, that's what happens with him here. He gets into a wrestling match, and he won't stop. And finally, the Lord tells him, I got the sun's coming up, I gotta go. And it's not because the Lord is afraid of the sun. It's, a, it's because Jacob had a, an appointment with his brother, and Jacob is fearful. And so when you get to the end of chapter 32, it says, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. This is the angel reaching down and touching Jacob's hip. And he said, let me go for the day breaks, but he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. In the book of Hosea, you find out he's weeping when he's doing this. He's crying and he's saying, I'm not gonna let you go unless you bless me. And this is the blessing that God gives to him. He said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. 
And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.